Welcome to It Is Written Canada. Last week, Mario Roque, our special guest, shared his story of how, although he was a successful businessman making his first million building houses at an early age, he did not find the happiness that he was searching for. Mario shared how he ended up losing it all, his wife and his fortune, and he was even $2 million in the hole. However, this time of personal, emotional, financial and relational despair became the time of his greatest blessing when he had a personal encounter with God. Mario is now back this week to share with us how he has been serving God daily and what miracles he has been witnessing in his service of the Lord. Mario, welcome back to It Is Written Canada. Glad to be back. Thank you. So last week, Mario, you had told us about what drives you is your desire to expand the kingdom of God. Tell us how the Lord has been leading you and guiding you to do that. One of my first experiences with God was with my friend, Lauren. We went to a, a convention. The pastor asked uh, us to pray for someone near us for healing. This friend of mine had uh, myelin atrophy. That's where the nerves have no coating on them. He had been from his knees down. He was on a narcotic patch for 15 years. I prayed for him for just two minutes as a brand new Christian. And he said to me, Mario, it's gone. And I said, what's gone? And he said, the pain, it's disappeared. Of course, 10 minutes later, I'd ask him, how is it? And he said, Mario, I told you it's gone. Half hour later, I asked him again, how is it? He says, look, I told you it's gone. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, till the day he died, he died about a year ago, he had no more pain like that. It completely vanished. And he had been suffering in pain for how long? 15 years, 15 years. The um, the narcotic patch muted the pain so it could be bearable. And he could take a lot of pain. Lauren could take a lot of pain, but it was completely gone. The hardest part for him was actually getting off the medication. He did it on his own. For 11 days, he didn't sleep. He was having the shakes, the sweats, never told the doctor anything until about almost three weeks later. It took him about two months to get rid of the residue from the narcotics. So he was truly, a, it was truly a miracle that I experienced with him. And I praise God for that. Uh, locally, I've, the Lord, I believe, has inspired me to, uh, of course, I've supported my local church uh, for the last 19, 20 years. Uh, built a church in Hamilton, really living church. In the winter of 2016, I was inspired to start a nutrient-dense organic farm in Hamilton, Ontario. So now we have uh, market garden, uh, greenhouses, and an orchard. We also are doing a lot of ministry through uh, the health message, and we have a naturopathic doctor, nutritionist, etc., that come and do a consultation here. We also have a 30-day in paradise 
And uh, the first time we did that was two years ago. There was a young lady that I met that looked very distraught and didn't look well at all. I saw her a few months later, I didn't recognize her after she took the program. So it works very well for a lot of people. As well as we have uh, at Camp Frenda in, uh, in the Muskokas in Ontario, we have a, a one week in paradise where we administer to about uh, 22 or 23 guests through uh, nutrition. We also do some uh, spiritual uh, teachings and so on. And it's been uh, fairly successful. At the end of the, of the road, I would love to have an agricultural facility here, agritourism facility, as well as a wellness center on the property. Uh, to cap off. That would be the crown jewel of everything we're attempting here. I'm involved locally like that, um, as well as uh, I've done a lot of foreign missions. Um, I first got involved where I visited a number of times, uh, uh, Cuba, Laos, Vietnam, China, and I also supported North Korea. Uh, five out of the six communist countries uh, where it's, it's some of the most difficult places to, to preach the gospel because of the rules. For instance, in Laos, the church cannot own churches, cannot own property. So uh, we, we've devised certain ways of getting around that. Um, so I'm, right now I'm just very heavily involved in Laos primarily, although I've supported uh, work in uh, Peru. Uh, through ADRA uh, last year and would like to support that again and uh, also in Belize I'm supporting uh, building onto a, a school there upgrading the church there was a person there that uh, needed a um, kidney transplant of course they have no funds so I've been supporting that family uh, things like that uh, but for the most part it's been uh, mostly I decided to concentrate on one country that's Laos. Uh, why Laos? Uh, two reasons. A, it's the poorest country in the region. It's surrounded by, uh, if no one knows where Laos is, Cambodia on the south. On the west, I believe it's west, it's uh, Thailand. V uh, Vietnam on the other side, Myanmar and China. So it's around, it's in the center of all those. Uh, countries, not in the center, but it borders all those countries. So I decided to support it for two reasons, like I mentioned. One being because I can trust the people there. And I, I believe they're so hardworking. They just, they're totally consecrated to the Lord and give their lives for that. And two uh, is, be, again, like I said, is because it's the poorest country in the region. I always love the underdog. <laughs> so uh, that's who they are in the region. So I've been supporting that for about three years now and I've made a commitment for five years, which hopefully will be forever. Um, uh, that's what I'm doing right now. So Moria, when you go to a country like Laos, what do these people feel that God has done for them? Well, first of all, they, they find that they have hope. I can tell you a few stories like that. Uh, the first time I went there, we went to this very remote village uh, and we uh, ate outside by a river. Uh, there was a number of people there. There was a pastor, uh, he's the only one that had a Bible. 
but these people wanted to know about the Lord. So I actually asked these two women, what has the Lord done for you? And the first one said, I used to be terribly afraid to go into the jungle. We're right on the edge of the jungle, actually. And I used to be terribly afraid to go into the jungle because I thought the spirits of the jungle would attack me and I would die. And I don't believe that anymore. I believe Jesus is my protector and I feel free. I asked the second person the same, same the similar uh, question to another person, another woman, and she said something very similar. I used to be afraid of the water, the, of the river, because I thought that it would drown me, the spirit would drown me. Because in Laos, uh, they have, have, basically have two religions. One is Buddhism, and the other one is Spiritism. And they believe that everything has spirits. So the rocks have spirits, the jungle has spirits, and they can attack you or they can, uh, they still sacrifice animals to these spirits there. So uh, before they build a house, they sacrifice animals for safety. That's how far backward they are. Uh, I've seen a lot of uh, stories of hope. I visited a town, uh, a, in a town, uh, a house church on Saturday. And while I was outside, before I went in, I could feel the presence of God in there. And they were worshiping God, playing guitar and singing in their native tongue. And I asked them, Where do you, what do you, how, how did you guys end up meeting in this house in this, uh, as a church? And they said, because we're from the north and we've been run out of our home and our land because of our faith. Uh, we're not allowed to practice our faith, so we had to move. So that is like a house of refuge owned by someone, and when they come from the north, they stay there for a while, try to find a job. So they have hope. I also met a young man that was leading a house church in a village. And I noticed that there were about 40 people in this house church. And the reason I was taken there is because they wanted to buy a piece of land to build a formal church because it was outgrowing the house church. So I noticed that this young man was preaching. And most, family, most of the people there were young families, except for an old woman. And then they told me their story that this old woman used to travel from there, it's in the capital, but it's in the outskirts of the capital, take her five, six hours to walk to church. And sometimes some people in the church would give her money to take a bus part of the way home. This young man was at one time demonically possessed, chained to a post outside because they couldn't deal with them. A lot of people had taken him to hospitals. Some people had prayed for him. This older woman prayed for him fervently. And this was the young man that was standing there preaching. He was totally healed. Had a wife, a child, and it was, he was a very happy young man. When you see stories like that, it just breaks your heart and you wanna do more because in countries like that, dramatic things do happen because these people are simple people. Um, 
while I was there last time as well, I um, went, we, we did some projects out in the country and I asked the interpreter, is there mice here? What a silly question. And he said, of course there is, we eat them. And, I, and, I, and he said, we also eat rats. I went to the market, local market, 90, 100 degrees temperature. In a wicker basket was bat meat. Looked very dark to me with flies all, all around it and they were selling that. Laos uh, suffered a lot of hunger during the war, the Vietnam War, and they've never really recovered fully with enough food. So one of the things we did, uh, I started there on a full-time basis about three years ago. During COVID, they didn't have enough food to eat, so they rented trucks and bought a lot of rice and brought it to villages to feed these people because a lot of them could die from hunger there. Uh, it's that desperate. So hope, when the people find Christ, they definitely have hope because they're living without hope. They know they're going to live and die in poverty, live and die in, 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 in an environment where there's no, no medical available, no, no, not enough food available. And if you know, if I, one of the things I notice, everybody there is very slim. You don't see overweight people, especially out in the country. In the city, you see the odd person. In the country, you don't because they just simply do not have enough food. I've seen some of the most dedicated people to the gospel in places like that. Met an older woman, went to her house, we had uh, uh, lunch at her house. Very unusual food, it looked like herbs and a lot of very unusual uh, vegetarian dishes. And she used to be in the army at one time and it was a communist. Uh, supporter and she found the Lord and now she preaches the gospel. She's the local evangelist and she's been to prison a number of times but has never stopped her. That's how dedicated some of these people are. It's incredible. They live and breathe evangelism and looking after one another and so on. So in places like that, uh, children have no ability to, to get a higher education. So one of the things we do, we support, uh, part of the budget is to support students to go to Spicer <laughs> and also to the Philippines to, to study. So we have people that are becoming doctors and nurses and teachers and, and uh, so because there is no, uh, there's no infrastructure in Laos. So we're building schools for people to learn English. It's one way that they use for evangelism. These large schools, you'd be surprised for two, three hundred thousand dollars, you can build a large school in Laos. And so we're buying land for churches, for schools, we're building them and giving people hope because there is, in place like that, there is no hope. Their, their whole, gen for generations, they live and die at a very early age. The average woman in Laos I don't know exactly what age they die, but a lot of them are in their 20s and 30s. I walked into a village once, again, the very first time I was there, and I noticed it was only children, just a couple of adults. So we had a service there, it was mostly children, two adults. So I said, where, where are all the adults? They're all dead. Because they didn't have water to drink, good water to drink, good sanitation. They would go to the bathroom in the forest 
right next to the, I wouldn't even call it a river. I was not, I was there in a dry season. So it was very low, very brown. And they would go to her bathroom next door. And then they would drink that water. And it would come from upstream with that kind of material in the water as well. So they were dying very young from gastrointestinal diseases because they did not have enough water to drink. So a well was built there. They had a water tower. They had bathrooms were uh, built there for communal, for women and for men. So that they at least, and they were taught some um, hygiene, basic hygiene. That's one of the first things I noticed in visiting these uh, poor, very poor countries. Hygiene is, they don't know what hygiene is. They don't know, so they lose their teeth very young. They die very young. Women start, they have nothing to do, so they get pregnant as soon as they are able to, and they have too many children, and they can't bear it, and they die young. So these people need help. There was this young lady whose uh, husband was a drug, is a drug addict. She had some kind of flesh-eating disease on one leg. So from the knee down, she was in excruciating pain over a year. No medications, no hospitals, no medical, nothing. So uh, funds were raised to get her leg amputated from the knee down. She had that done. I saw pictures of her before. Uh, she looked very, very sad and very like there was, you could see in her face the pain was coming through. Uh, three weeks after the operation, three, four weeks, I saw her doing some sewing and she had the biggest smile on her face because all the pain was gone and she was praising God. The other story is local and I've got many stories. I probably have a hundred stories to tell, but I met a, a man in his early to mid fifties at the farm one day. And for some reason, I was inspired to, to ask him uh, why he showed up there. And he said that he was a very sick person and that he came there to buy vegetables and so on. He came to Paradise Fields to buy vegetables. And I looked him straight in the eye. I said, God's going to heal you. I had no clue what was wrong with him. Zero. So I talked to him on and off for about six months. One day, that friend of mine, Lauren, <laughs> And I visited him. We anointed him and asked him if he wanted to do Bible studies. This was the beginning of COVID. And we did Bible studies over the phone. Now, because he was um, at home all the time, he, uh, let me tell you what his problem was. He was very depressed and full of anxiety. He didn't want to leave the house, didn't want to be around anybody wasn't sleeping, wasn't eating, uh, just very, very dysfunctional. So we started doing Bible studies with him during COVID over the phone. Now he's, he was originally from Romania. Uh, he was a, um, back home, he was a, uh, uh, he audited banks. That's what he did for a living. Here he worked with the handicapped and things like that before he got very sick. But we started uh, doing Bible studies. I did 27 Bible studies with him over the phone in 27 days. <laughs> and then we did prophecy studies. Now, they were a little bit more complicated. There were 32 lessons and they took longer. So that probably took us about 
two months to do 32 lessons. He completely changed. He started working on the farm and his wife tells me the reason he's healed is because he worked on the farm. Because of the peace that he found there, the birds, the nature. He used to tell me he has a friend there, was a frog. <laughs> and uh, he's completely healed. He's one of the happiest persons you'll ever, people you'll ever meet. And um, that's, that's a miracle in itself. And it's all because he got to know the Lord and he started working in an environment where there was peace and there was nature and he saw God in everything. And uh, as a matter of fact, they tell me that in Quebec that they have a farm like that where they send people, the government, I think it's the government sends people there for healing, working on a farm. So, and we've had a number of healings on the farm. Our mechanic used to be depressed. He no longer has meds. <laughs> He's a happy man. We had a young lady that used to manage uh, the market garden. She was all full of anxiety, alcoholic, drugaholic, quit all of that, totally normal. So I've seen miracles everywhere. Everywhere I've seen a lot of them in foreign lands and here. So Maria, God has really blessed you and you have resources that you can use to buy things for yourself. Are you ever tempted to do that? Not really. I have everything I need. I have a home here. I've got a property. Uh, it's a smaller property in Florida. It's a town home, but uh, we go there and we go north a little bit in the summer. That's good enough for me. I don't, what, what more do I need? My son is of the same opinion. Once you have what you need, what do you want more for? So we only want more for two reasons. One is to make sure the company is in good financial condition. We don't want, I don't want to go through that again where it's $2 million in a hole. So we want to stabilize the company, which it's pretty stable now. And apart from that, it's for the Lord's work. So I hope one day soon that we can do 50, 60, 70% of the funds for the Lord. And that could be a tremendous amount of money. And because after all, I take it literally. This all belongs to him. I'm just his steward and I take it literally. It's not about me. He's blessed me in so many ways. I thank him every day when I think about how he's blessed me. Not just financially, but emotionally, relationally, uh, friendships, um, peace in my life. And I want that for the whole world. So if I can be a little bit of help in that area, I'm willing to do what it takes. Mario, a last question that I have for you is maybe there's someone who is in a condition like you were, where you felt like you're in your deepest despair and they feel like it's just too dark. How do I, how do I get out of this? What would you say to them? I've seen a lot of experiences like that, so I can speak from experience. None of these are just stories that I read. These are from experience. Where people are in that kind of condition, they've come totally out of it. And today, they've seeked the Lord with all their heart. They've tried and they've had some help, uh, some people helping them. And I can tell you a lot of stories like that, where uh, people are going to die from MS today perfectly healthy. Um, 
was in a wheelchair in the late 30s with three children. Today is totally healthy. So I can, there is no such thing as despair with the Lord. You can despair, but if you reach out to God and ask him to come into your life and start pursuing the Lord, he will work miracles in your life too. No question in my mind. I'm 100% convinced. I, I've, been, I've experienced hundreds of stories, so I believe all of that <laughs> with all my heart. And when you see it firsthand, you have faith oh, yes. that God is faithful. Yes, yes, yeah. Mario, I wonder if you could pray for our viewers. Um, there are many who, who are listening and they want their faith to grow. And can you pray for them right now? Certainly. Heavenly Father, it is a terrible thing to be in despair. I've been there. I have witnessed hundreds of people being in that condition. It is a terrible thing, Lord. But all who reach out to you earnestly from the heart, you can heal. You are Jehovah Rophi. The Lord is our healer. By your stripes we are healed. Those are not just words on the, on the pages of the Bible. That is real. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. When Jesus was on earth, he healed everyone that came in contact with him, that reached out to him. It's no different today. If you reach out to the Lord, there's no question in my mind, if you do it from your heart, he will heal whatever is missing in your life. And he will give you peace and joy because in God's presence, there is fullness of joy. Amen. Amen. Mario, thank you so much for having us here at your beautiful home and for sharing your wonderful story with us. You're quite welcome. I hope that it inspires others to raise their heads high in the Lord. And I hope everyone that is listening today that they would have a healing in their life. In the Bible, Jesus essentially defined eternal life in these two words, knowing God. Not simply knowing about God, but actually knowing Him, having a personal and positive relationship with Him. So our free offer for you today is the book To Know God. This book will walk you through a practical step-by-step -step plan for growing closer to Jesus and knowing God as your personal and eternal friend. To receive today's offer, you can simply go to our website at iiw.ca and click on the News and Offers tab. Again, it's iiw.ca. You can also call us at 1-888-CALL-IIW. Before you go, we would like to invite you to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel and also listen to our podcasts. And if you go to our website, you can see our latest programs. You too can experience the spirit of life finding the words of Jesus when he said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. They have about two to three times more uh, antioxidants, um, minerals and vitamins than blueberries. Thank you for listening today. 
If you would like to watch a video of this podcast, please visit iiw.ca or you can go to our IIW Canada YouTube channel and click on the videos tab. Once again, thank you so much for listening.